0: Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group, recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. I'm here today with Sean Donosky, CEO of DC Building Group, which is one of the largest locally owned general contracting firms in Las Vegas, but you don't only build stuff in Las Vegas. Since 2001, DC Building Group has completed hundreds of projects in office, medical, industrial, hospitality, retail, religious buildings, nonprofits, education, and public works. I'm guessing I missed a couple. Sean, you're an active guy. Thank you for being with me today.
1: Thank you, Hiam. It's uh, great to be here. Listen to the panel today. Uh, I look forward to doing a recap.
0: Yeah, so we're doing something a little different. We're on site right now at the Southern Nevada NAOP June Breakfast. NAOP is the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Community. And Sean and I are just going to have a conversation about our specific takeaways from the event. But before we get into that, Sean, how long have you been a member of NAOP and how long have you been coming to these breakfasts?
1: I've been a member of NAEP for about 15 years. Uh, We started going to the breakfast meetings and listened to the programs and got fully engaged in various committees. Uh, I think currently our company has five members in NAEP, and this morning, three of us were here.
0: And you're president-elect?
1: I am president-elect.
0: It's a lot of stuff. You're an active guy. So today's program was titled Transportation in the City, which sounds like it should be a snooze fest, except for... There are too many characters on the panel, and of course, the moderator, uh, Tina Quigley. One of my takeaways right out of the gate is this thing called the Quigley Factor, which I'll, I'll explain to you what I mean by that. But Tina is the general manager of the Regional Transportation Commission. Also on the panel, I'm telling you, NAOP is first class. They flew in the mayor of Draper City, which is in Utah, uh, Mayor Troy Walker. John Tippins, very well-known Las Vegas, UNLV graduate. He's the founder and CEO of NorthCap Commercial. And David Saltman, who's vice president and general counsel of the Vista Group, a longtime Las Vegas real estate and development company. And of course, the sponsor today was Envy Energy. We can't do this kind of stuff for NAOP without our sponsors. So like you said, Sean, you've been coming to these things for 15 years. Start out, how did today's program land on you? Uh, how would it compare, do you think, to other breakfasts that we've had?
1: Well, I think when you put someone like Tina on the panel or moderating, she is so incredibly dynamic and so passionate that she wakes up the audience. She she brings an energy and excitement to talk about what this community and what this, what this city needs and, and how we're going to be competitive regionally with other cities around the region.
0: And around a topic like transportation.
1: She takes a... Like you said, something that would be a snooze fest and she wakes you up. There was there was no time to to take a breath from the moment she started. No, there wasn't.
0: Now that I'm thinking about it. Have you ever seen the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie? Yeah, I actually watched that two nights ago. That's funny. So they are we didn't plan that by the way. They are assassins in the movie. And they have to go to the neighbor's house for a party and kind of fit in in the neighborhood. And they ask Brad Pitt's character, what do you do? And he says, I'm a transportation, blah, blah, blah. And I study traffic. And he, he says that it's designed to make whoever's listening stop listening and walk away and not want to be around him. So I always think about the contrast to that is Tina Quigley. When she talks about transportation, she absolutely lights up.
1: I believe a person with her, her character and her dynamic and her energy can make a difference in moving our transportation forward.
0: Oh, there's no question. That's the Quigley factor.
1: It is. If you took somebody who doesn't have the dynamic, it doesn't go anywhere.
0: So I wrote some notes down because I was trying to define this Quigley factor. I think it's the combination of passion and realness. And like you said, I mean, she didn't stop for a second. The energy is palpable. But then, like when she was up on the podium, she said, you know, when they asked me to do this, I said, hell yeah, those are my peeps. There's no worry about being diplomatic. She was just being herself and being real. So I think, to me, that's where that that Quigley factor comes together: passion and realness.
1: Well, dealing with such a sensitive topic, it's going to require that. If she tries to dance around lightly, she's not going to get anything done.
0: Yeah. So from a program standpoint, she did something interesting where she came right out of the gate. This was another one of my initial takeaways. Uh, right out of the gate with what are we talking about here. Uh, And she defined it for us. And then she told us what the stakes are. Uh, And she took a spin of, hey, I'm not doing this. This is a conversation we need to have as a community. And if this is something we decide to do, then great. Once the decision's made, we need to vigorously pursue this and tackle all the federal brouhaha that comes with it. I thought that was really interesting.
1: Her key word was decide. We need to decide now what we want to do. Yeah. Because it's a long-term commitment. It's going to take a long time to get started.
0: So they've been at it for like 20 years and they're refreshing the 20-year plan. I don't know if I understood that correctly. But the two sort of umbrella terms we talked about today, high-capacity transit, which is not just bus systems. It's uh, rail, light rail, light, light rail. I mean, she had all the all the fun uh, definitions and nomenclatures that went with her. But how high-capacity transit leads to... This term, Transit Oriented Development, the acronym is TOD, T-O-D.
1: Yes, what I found interesting is there was two types of benefits for mass transit. One was for a significant economic impact, and the other was simply to move people. Yeah, what she talked about today was creating mass transit for significant economic impact to change the tax structure and tax benefit and occupancies in certain areas of the valley.
0: So, what do you make of this? You know, they handed out some uh, fact sheets, and the the messaging leads with this creates a sense of place, and all the stuff you just talked about about economic development and blah blah blah. How much of it is really touchy feely creating a sense of place? How much of it is? Well, what's going to move people to, to, to this direction? Is it the private sector that, hey, if we can get some, some funds to put light rail on the Maryland corridor, this building's going to be worth more. Now I can build four or five, six times the building. Or is it creating this quote unquote sense of place?
1: I believe it's both. I believe the development community is going to see an opportunity to transform kind of depleted areas of the valley that need some reinvigoration or some excitement and if we look at Maryland Parkway it needs that. So I think it's a combination True. I think it's a combination of the developers seeing an opportunity and the community trying to fill a need.
0: So one of the things they talked about specifically was connecting the airport, imagine this, the airport, McCarran all the way north on Maryland Parkway to downtown, and then over to the medical district, which is west across I-15, kind of in that Charleston area. So I I have personally a hard time imagining what will be there uh, in the future. And it's not even tomorrow. I mean, we're talking about if this thing gets on, it's a two-year project before we physically see anything. That's what I understood. I don't know what you understood.
1: I gathered it was about two years before we even knew if the funding was there the federal funding or the federal support of the tax dollars. So I, I think So as a
0: construction a, guy, you get the money. How long before Las Vegas citizens see construction with, you know, rail going into the ground or train cars? What are your, what's your guy? Oh,
1: That'd be hard to speculate. There's, there's so many processes from getting the money to getting the design to getting the zoning approvals. I, construction would be so far on the tail end. I think construction will be the easy part.
0: <laughs> of course, coming from Sean Donosky. So let's talk about some of the other panelists. Uh, Mayor Walker, uh, really fascinating guy. He was fun. Yeah, lo- yeah, he was a. Yeah, he was He was refreshing and a breath of fresh air. He had not just messaging around. Well, what I wrote down is Walker talked about the journey, uh, being a city that didn't have light rail and then incorporating it. Uh, what that looked like, how they got there, what the economics were, the benefits. He was real in that. He said it's not without its pain. Uh, it's been a he, quote, it's been successful, but not without its pain. But w- w- I'm curious why you say he's fun. What kind of came out for w- with him for you?
1: He has a passion to do what's right for his community. And he has a passion to make a difference. And I believe his statistics of what he's done at their uh, their light rail. It was, the, it was at their hub or where it dropped off mm-hmm. and they created this entire community of businesses and, and residences and apartments and houses. He changed the entire dynamic of a 110-acre piece of property.
0: And he said you have to have courage. And he gave us advice as a community, elect people that will lean in. Don't elect people worried about re-election. I love that. I don't know how we get there, but I absolutely love that.
1: That was bold. Uh, That was uh, true to his personality, true to his beliefs.
0: And it came out. I mean, he was saying things on there that politicians typically don't say, but he was saying it because that's who he is. John Tippins, he's been extremely successful here in Las Vegas as a real estate broker, as a developer. He's done a lot of interesting things downtown with housing. He mentioned that he's currently working with Tivoli, not just uh, helping them fill up their vacancies, but also... He said they went under contract with land to the north part of the project between uh, Restoration Hardware and Angel Park, where they're planning 300 units.
1: Did he also – he referenced – the Pearl District in Portland?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk about that. And I, Good I point. I he
1: said there were some Las Vegas investors in that property there. He
0: did say that. Yeah. He said the two most active Portland multifamily developers right now are Las Vegas mm-hmm. developers, Jonathan Fore and the Mulaski Companies. Everyone knows the Mulaski Companies. Interestingly, Jonathan will be on the July panel for NAOP. It's a multifamily panel to talk about... Actually, we don't know yet what the, what the theme will be because we're trying to figure out what is the burning question around multifamily. Interestingly, how much that came up in this conversation about transit.
1: Well, I think there's a dynamic there when we look at those two Las Vegas developers investing in an area that has this kind of transit and what they will do when that transit is here. In their,
0: in their not even their backyard, in their yard. Yeah. I agree. So David Saltman, I've known David for years I got to know him on a personal level. We got to work on a project together. He is one of the, I don't know how to phrase this correctly, quietly one of the most intellectual people we have in our community, although he lives in Boston now with his family. But did you hear how he was talking up there? Even though he lives in Boston, it was very much, we need this. This is for us. He wasn't, uh, it was very much we language, I noticed, because he, communicates in a way like he he is a part of this community.
1: I may be mistaken, but I thought Tina mentioned he was he was from here.
0: He is from here but so lives he in Boston. So yeah. he could easily just say home? i mean, yeah. True. This is home.
1: He uh he had many incredible takeaways uh, to to clarify that we must have this to be competitive in our region. Oh yeah. That our peers have it, uh we need to have this. Maryland Parkway is a prime location. We have no choice to but to compete, and it's imperative. He had some very strong statements yes. about pushing this forward and what it's going to do for our community.
0: Perhaps the strongest statement were the first words that he uttered when Tina called on him and gave him the microphone. Now is the time. That was, uh, you know, talk about setting the tone. He also, for me, a couple takeaways.
1: Well, it's kind of hard to follow Tina. You better do something. Yeah, well, stronger. think
0: about this. Poor David. Right, Tina does her shtick, which she can't compete with. That then you got this Mayor Walker, then John Tippins, whose communication style is a little different, but still quite piercing. And David has to follow all of them and keep an audience. By the way, there were I think 240 people registered for this breakfast. Uh, the room is set for about 250.
1: Yeah, it was a bigger breakfast than maybe even the stadium.
0: Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't it think was, I was at it was that. Comparable one. to that. Yeah. Um, another takeaway from David is he talked about, called out somebody in the audience and he said that person, I forgot his name, Bill, I think it was, uh, runs a, a federal grant program. There was some acronym he threw in there. I'm showing you how much I know about this federal grant program for redevelopment, And then he talked about, I think John John Tippins talked about how they're paying attention to the Opportunity Fund. And you know what came to my mind was a quote from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which talked about Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So here's another movie reference. The famous quote where he says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. So I'm sitting here. There's all this stuff flying around us. Federal grants here, Opportunity Fund there. Uh, this robust conversation about what the future will look like in Las Vegas, about how people move. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I had no idea that there's these federal grants and that there's opportunity funds and yada, yada. So for me, one of my takeaways is to stop and look around because I don't want to miss out on life.
1: Well, the there's so much depth to this topic. There's whether it's the grants, whether it's the economic impact, whether it's the encroachment on the roads and moving people, there's so much depth. I think, Today, we just touched the surface. All the acronyms that were thrown out, all the terminology, we can't comprehend all that. It's so deep, but there's so much opportunity.
0: It gives an appreciation. The, the last question from the audience today to Tina was, you know, riff on the next steps. And she did it effortlessly in about a 30, 45 second sort of, uh, we do this, and then six months later, this happens, and then six months after that, this happens, and then 18 months later, this and she has such a handle and a comprehension on this topic with a lot of a lot of depth, as you said. And then circling back to one of Walker's Mayor Walker's comments, Tina asked him, "You know, at one point you were not for this light rail stuff, and now you are. Tell me why." And it was because he got appointed to the Utah Transit Committee and got to see behind the curtain, and he realized how much depth there is, like you're saying. He then developed an appreciation for this topic where I think that's a, a, an incredible takeaway for us as a community, not to just fire off opinions about things we don't necessarily know about, you know, the old iceberg thing where we only see the 10% at the top and 90 percent's below, you know, to your comment about depth, that's a couple of things that I observed between Tina and Mayor Walker.
1: Well, it's easy to talk about the 10% above the surface, the 90% below the surface is where we get something done. Tina could have taken this whole panel or this whole meeting herself, but by bringing in the others, it added all of that extra depth and that substance and extra data that maybe we wouldn't have gotten just from
0: her. True. I'll I'll give my takeaway just, uh, you know, going off of that, it, it sort of dovetails off of what you said. You can give your last few and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Uh, Tina seems to me like a leader who knows how to build. I don't know if coalitions are the right word, but she has the energy and the passion to bring people under the tent, all the stakeholders, and even the people who don't know that they're stakeholders. Me as an example, when I was thinking about questions for this breakfast, it's, I live in Summerlin. My new office is Jones and 215. Will I ever take high capacity transit to work? You know, Mike Mixer, the president of Neop said, you know, introducing the program said, Because he's now on the RTC committee, he got to ride the bus for the first time. So who in the community does does this really affect? I still can't personally visualize that. I'm not against it. I believe with my heart that this is amazing and will be transformative. And it'll almost be like the iPhone where once I have the ability to take transit somewhere, either from home in Summerlin to work in the southwest or from my house to a golden knights game i feel like i'll look back and say you know what it's just like the golden knights i didn't care about hockey when they came here now but now i've expert. got oh my god i've got shirts my kids have clothes and we've got the little chance doll at my house maybe it'll be like that
1: it was a 2500 dollars investment in clothing.
0: yeah exactly <laughs> and i don't want to talk about the investment in tickets so some of your you know final takeaways and, and we'll wrap up
1: Well, i believe it's it's kind of like a generational change, how we commute, how we get from A to B. It wasn't five years ago, and people thought Uber was crazy. I'm not going to hop in somebody's <laughs> car, and they're going to drive me around. And now, the first thing I go if I need transportation when yeah. I don't have a car is I go to my Uber app. Great point. And the mass transit or the light rail, it's gonna if it's positioned well, it's going to be a generational change. If we look at generations, how we used to have an analog generation, now we got a digital generation, and we're sitting right here kind of stuck between this analog and digital, I think our automotive transportation is the same. Fewer people are buying cars, younger generations, some of them just don't want cars, and I think that's going to change. And if the facilities are there and the development community embraces it, our kids could go to school on mass transit, go home, get a job, and commute and do all of it without even having a car.
0: You know, when I thought about doing this, the only person that came to mind was you, and that's exactly why. That, that is a fantastic perspective. Excellent takeaway. Sean Donosky, CEO of DC Building Group. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I look forward to the next one.
1: Thank you. I look forward to it.
0: And let's say thank you to the Southern Nevada NAOP chapter for continuing to drive the conversations of the day for our community. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share Takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.